Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brusseau. Check, check, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to an event I'm very excited for. Uh, I'm so glad you all are in attendance to the live taping of po Profiles and Eccentricity. May I please introduce to you your three, look at these gorgeous, handsome men. Mr. Matt Brousseau, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. John Fahey. Oh my God. And the one and only Aaron Peter. Guys, give it up for the crew. Hello, folks. Guys, thank you for being here with us. I want to thank every comic that performed tonight. I want to thank Adam for setting up the show. Thank you, Angie. Thank you, Anna Valenzuela. Thank you, Chet Wilde. Thank you, Quincy L. Johnson II. Thank you, Cindy Aravina. And who am I forgetting? There's five. To the countless millions listening at home. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we did a show that was, uh, we talked about the Tiki Adult Theater near my home. And uh, there was a specific Yelp review of the theater that this guy couldn't spell anything. And he said, um, he goes, I, I went there one night and I, I, I knocked into a guy near the front of the stage, and I guess he is straight. I am big sexual and proud of it. <laughs> Which presumably he means bisexual. And he goes, I pushed him, he had a knife. Anyways, be careful. <laughs> I used to love the pussycat, it turned into Walgreens. So my friend Dodger at home in Florida uh, started making these sketches of a dick in balls with a mustache and sunglasses and kind of a trucker hat, pissed off look. And he started naming him Big Sexual. And he started sending me, every episode of the show, he would send me a new Big Sexual sketch that coincided with whatever was going on. So then the other day he asks me for my address. And right before the show, I get this package. It cost him $12 to send it to me. Right? And uh, he spelled your address wrong. Yes. He doesn't know. He, doesn't, he is big kudos, sexual. Kudos to the Postal Service and for getting it, it there anyway. Yeah, they get, they get it. Uh, but this is like, I open this up and I'm like, okay, this is, uh, this is big sexual right here. <laughs> if you guys want to see. So big sexual is that. Try it out. Try it out. John, what is that? What that is bread. This is bread. It's golden bread. That he spray painted gold, new way, and he drilled screws into it, and he wrote PIE, uh, Profiles and Eccentricity, try it the fuck out. Oh my God. And he put a hook on top, like I'm going to hang it on something. Put it on your Christmas tree. Yeah. So... I know that he works at a supermarket. And I'm assuming he just swiped this bread or bought it. Yeah, he's like, can I use this first? And then he spent $12. <laughs> and you know, the cost of hardware, etc. 
Anyway, you guys can uh, pass that around. That's it's, big sexual. It's solid. I mean, it is petrified bread. Yeah, I mean, how long, how long am I supposed to keep it? <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to ship that into California. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's probably a health hazard. <laughs> We're going to pass this around. So yeah, everybody get a touch. You guys can try it out. Everybody try it the fuck out. Uh... Mind if I uh, have a swig of piss? Yes, we have a piss stool. A stool yeah, this, of is piss. Lazy, this is all uh, beer piss. The lazy very... cruising. Yes. Look at it that. Spins. Lazy cruising. That's nice. And you can get us more piss. We'll try it out. If anybody wants care. to bring to us, give us more piss, piss, we will drink it. Yes. Um, Matt, you have a dirty low-down story to tell. I suppose so. Yes. Yes, that's why we're here, folks. Should I do it? Set it off. Okay. Yeah. All right, folks. 1973, who was there? Shut up. (laughs) I'm going to talk about John Lennon. I was going to do like a New York City thing, and I was like, wait, we're in L.A. Yeah. Big difference. You bet. We're at the Hollywood Hotel of Hollywood. The Hotel of Hollywood. In Little Armenia. It's not just a hotel of Hollywood. It's the hotel. The one. You guys get it. Thank you. People at home, come here and check it out. 1973, John Lennon's Lost Weekend in L.A. All right. Shut up. <laughs> we, we do have a mic here if anyone wants to come up and, like, if they have any yeah. thoughts and stuff. Do not try it out. Yeah. <laughs> you can try it out after Matt is finished with the story. Please, if you have any questions, come up to the mic and ask him. Well, I mean, we're close enough. You can just ask us, but I guess it's for the recording. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1973, John Lennon's marriage to Yoko Ono not going well. All right, he's just, uh, he's released uh, three albums at this point by himself. 1970, his Plastic Ono band. 1971, Imagine. These are great, well-reviewed albums. And then 1972, he released an album called Sometime in New York that he made with, like, the Mothers of Invention. It was a half-live album. It was not well-received. Robert Criscow, you know, the Dean of Rock Critics. I always quote this guy to John. He said, half caterwauling live weirdness, half tuneless topical rock songs. That was his review of that. I love the word caterwauling. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it sounds fun. It's like a cat going ape shit. Cats love that. Yeah. Is that for real? Yeah. Try it out. All right. <laughs> and then... Uh, in 1973, he released an album called Mind Games, which, again, Chris Gow wrote, sounds like outtakes from Imagine and Plastic Ono Band. Ugh. Not a positive review. No. Now, Yoko was tired of him at this point. She, Yoko said she called herself a moving-on kind of girl. Mm. Uh, when she gets, like, bored, she gets, like, tired, she's just like, I'll just cut the relationship off, and I'll just move on. Right. And uh, John said Yoko looks at men, uh, uh, upon men as assistants, of varying degrees of intimacy, but basically assistance. Yeah. And then he said, this one's going to take a pee. And then he left. Huh. It's true. It's from a 1980 Playboy interview him and Yoko did. It's pretty amazing. You should check it out after this. After you're done listening to all of us, I suppose. Right. <laughs> you can look it up during mine. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric. So Yoko had an idea. And John and Yoko had an assistant. She was this uh, a young Asian woman named May Peng. And Yoko said, John... <laughs> You and May are going to go sleep together in L.A. for, uh, for a while. This is true. She's, she sent their assistant with John to L.A. so he could realize his life and then come back to her and figure out their marriage. May Pang? May Pang. She's Chinese. Yes. <laughs> you really put that one together, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, 
If you're into hot Chinese <laughs> girls and you like to fucking fuck good, hit me up, John Lennon. It. Does Does May Peng have a say? Oh yeah, but <laughs> okay. not really. A say is uh. her friend. In the way that if your boss was like, "You're going to be doing garbage work for a while," you're like, right, "I guess." Yeah. I try, guess. Try it out. Try it out. Because uh, uh, she said Yoko was like standing behind her one day, going like, uh, "John and I aren't doing well." And then there was a pause, and she said, "May, you're single, aren't you?" Oh, Jesus Christ. Was this because John was beating the ever-loving shit out of Yoko day in and day out? No one mentioned that in the interview. Yeah, you don't say. There was a, it wasn't like a David Foster Wallace with a bunch of footnotes in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> BT dubs. <laughs> Rampant abuse. So he, uh, he spent 18 months in L.A., and he called it his lost weekend. Uh, which was uh, from a, his 1945 movie about a, a drunk author. That was his hot take on it. Yeah. And he was very productive, actually. He made two albums while he was out here. He worked with Phil Spector, who he'd uh, worked with a couple times. Oh, yikes. Crazy guy. Yeah. So Phil Spector, while they were recording, every day Phil would show up with a different outfit. Sometimes he was a ninja instructor. Sometimes he was a surgeon. Sometimes he was a cowboy. Jesus Christ. He brought, always had a loaded gun with him. Always. And he always tied you up and pointed it in your face. Yes. And was like, do the take like I say. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to Lennon. He chased him through the office with a loaded gun. Yeah, he was always chasing people with guns. And then he shot somebody to death. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's weird about that? It's inevitable. Who would have thought? No, he did it to the Ramones, too. The Ramones were like, I don't understand. <laughs> and he was, but he was always tying them up and shoving guns in their I, w- I wish he would have shot the Ramones before they sang Steel the Reserve. fucking Steel Reserve jingle. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> <High> gravity. <laughs> I love how your Ramones voice, it's the same voice for all of them. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They're all idiots. So at one point, uh, Spectre just shot his gun into the ceiling a bunch, and Lennon was like, he, he can, you can shoot us, but you can't hurt my ears. Oh, God. And then, uh, then he finished recording, and Spectre took the tapes and ran off. Wow. So Lennon was out in L.A., and he didn't have anything to do, but uh, his old friend Harry Nielsen was out here. Yes. Are you familiar with Harry Nielsen? Harry Nielsen was his, uh, is a very like, uh, amazing piano uh, player and, and songwriter. He could write a song with two notes. Uh, most people know him as the guy who wrote the coconut song, but the lime in the coconut. And that song, uh, you think it sucks, because mm-hmm. like, you just hear it by itself, it sucks. <laughs> but if you listen to the album it's on, you're like, oh, this is fun. Right. Right. That's music sometimes. Yeah, That's yeah, how yeah. music works. It's true. The song is the lime in the coconut of the album. <laughs> By itself, it's mind. dog shit. <laughs> right. But in the that's, context, that's like coconut. Deep. But he did, he did other like big songs that people don't really know him for. And oh stuff yeah, like that. yeah. He's kind of an unknown hit maker, right? Yeah. In, yeah. Thank you. He has hits, according. Yeah, he does. You can, there's no time for you to come up and say it to the microphone, but. Uh, well, like in, in '68, when the Beatles started their uh, Apple Records company, right. They, uh, they were interviewed by the press, and the press said, who's your favorite American artist? And they said, Nielsen. And they said, who's your favorite band? And they said, Nielsen. And then they said, Nielsen for president. Didn't catch on. <laughs> so John was like, Nielsen's a guy that could fit in. He, he worked on them with the White Album. He made music with them. Uh, he was a prolific drunk. Hmm. <laughs> one, one newspaper during this period, they described Nielsen as a prodigious drinker. 
who also did cocaine. Huh. So he was sober. He was very sober. <laughs> <laughs> he was entirely sober <laughs> the entire time. Gotta chop it up. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, so, uh, so Lennon, he came out here, Playboy, they were asking about this period. They were asking, like, what were you doing out there? And Lennon's response was, he, was try- uh, he said, I was trying to hide... Oh, I'm not going to do this voice. He was trying it out. <laughs> he was trying it out. <laughs> he said, I was trying to hide what I felt in the bottle. I was just insane. It was last weekend that lasted 18 months. I've never drank so much in my life. I tried to drown myself in the bottle, and I was with the heaviest drinkers in the business. Mm. And then Playboy, smartly, they say, such as... And he says, such as Harry Nielsen, Bobby Keys, Keith Moon. We couldn't pull, pull ourselves out. We were trying to kill ourselves. I think oh Harry God. might still be trying, poor bugger. <laughs> God bless you, Harry, wherever you are. <laughs> but Jesus, you know, I had to get away from that because somebody was going to die. Well, Keith did. <laughs> it was like, who's going to die first? Unfortunately, Keith was the one. <laughs> That's the full quote. Keith, <laughs> Keith Moon died overdosing on a drug to, uh, to curb his alcoholism. Which is, is, it feels ironic. I don't know if it is, but there's some deep... What, was it cocaine? Oh, it is. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't cocaine. No morality. <laughs> so John comes out here, and uh, he's, he's just getting wasted with Nielsen. And in fact, uh, they rented a house out in Santa Monica. Is this old Louis, Louis B. Mayer house. And uh, the house was used by the Kennedys when they were having sex with Marilyn Monroe. There's a lot of history there. Right. So cool, dude. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And they, sh- they all shared the house. Lennon, uh, Nielsen, Keith Moon. Yeah. It was total debauchery fest. Yeah. And uh, so they're working on Nielsen's album. And the first day they record, they finish recording. And as they finish recording, who shows up but Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder? Oh, boy. Who drove? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they just have a jam session, and it sucks. It's it's interesting to me that Paul McCartney still wants to hang out with John Lennon. John Lennon said in this interview, he said, Paul would just show up wherever he was and be like, hey, can we hang out for a little bit? Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) That's so sad. We were in the Beatles together, weren't we? <laughs> Poor guy. So this jam session... isn't working out, is it? Sorry. <laughs> Do you have any more Beatles jokes? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So this jam session is recorded, and this is, liter- this is the first track off of it. You want us to know it, It's going wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first track is John Lennon offering Stevie Wonder cocaine. Wow. <laughs> Try it out. Try it out. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I don't know. Like, Did they have to, like... <laughs> Aaron, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I know what you're going to Did they have to, like, roll up the dollar bill for him and point his... <laughs> Point his head down at the table and be like, all right, all right, Stevie, now just breathe. <laughs> How does Stevie Wonder chop it up? Carefully. I don't know. 
He's a professional, you know? Oh, God. He wears a watch. <laughs> he wears a, he does wear a watch. He wears a watch. There's a conspiracy theory that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. Yeah. Oh. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Cover on Unpops. I have. All right. Oh, really? cool. <laughs> Listen wow. to that episode. Hell yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're just getting completely trashed uh, all the time. And at one point, uh, John Lennon, uh, him and Nielsen go to the Troubadour. And they're just wasted. They're so wasted that like, John Lennon, he walks into the bathroom and he sees a Kotex pad. And he takes it and he puts it on his forehead. He sticks it to his forehead and he walks through the Troubadour going, do you know who I am? And they say, yeah, you're an asshole with a Kotex pad. <laughs> and then they just give him shit. And uh, according to one publication, he didn't tip and left. Oh, That's Lennon for you. Yeah. Then him and Nielsen go back to the Troubadour one night, and the Smothers Brothers are on stage. Oh, boy. And Nielsen tells Lennon that the Smothers Brothers need some heckling to get started. Oh, shit. And Maypeng described Nielsen's drinking as... He was someone who would drink with you all night and then would, by the end of the night, would try to get you in a fight with somebody. Huh. So he was just goading Lennon into just heckling the Smothers Brothers to the point where Tom, Tom Smothers said, uh, 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 he said, Nielsen said uh, they need some heckling to get started. Some of the worst language I've ever heard. They had a real buzz on. Cognac and toot, I guess. <laughs> and it was a mess. <laughs> So there's a, there's, public, there's a tabloid publication called, I don't know what it was called, but I thought it was called Jacoba Atlas. <laughs> Turns out that's the name of the person who wrote it. Oh. <laughs> Which sounds like a publication. Yeah. So this was their write-up of that event. They said, finally, the Smother Brothers manager, Ken Fritz, came over and asked Lennon to leave. The ex-Beatle took a swing at Fritz but missed. Fritz swung back. Then Lennon took a glass and threw it at the manager. He mits Fritz but hit a waitress. Yeah. By this time, the bouncers had zero in, and Lennon was thrown bodily off the premise. But not before knocking over several tables, trashing several patrons' dinners, but all was not over yet for the Beatle. On the way out, a 51-year-old Hollywood matron attempted to take his picture. Lennon, she reports, hit her. Oh, my God. And she filed suits with the sheriff department. Aww. Lennon and Nielsen then got in the car, and Lennon, according to Nielsen, turned to him and said... Like, I wrote this down. This is a good one. He said, I love to get some girls and some acid and fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them, John. Fuck them. Fuck them. (laughs) Nielsen called a female friend of his who had some LSD and a girlfriend... And they went over and they fucked for two days straight on acid. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> Where the fuck is May Peng the whole time just watching like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm Chinese. You know, the Smothers brother, one of the Smothers, I think you, maybe you were telling me this, one of the Smothers brothers has a son who's a gay porn star. I did not this tell you great. this. This oh. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you told me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Had nothing to do with my own research. (laughs) And his name is Dick Smothers. Oh! Real name. Clap for that. Yep. Real name. Absolutely. Stage name. Yep. (laughs) Good for him. God bless them all, huh? Uh, So at the end of it, I'll just... uh, (laughs) Lennon was cured... 
he was went, over partying. He was. He really, in the interview, he says that it was all too much. That'll he, do it. He said he went back to Yoko, and he said, uh, and we learned it's better for the family if we were both working for the family. She's doing the business and me playing mother and wife. We reordered our priorities. The number one priority is her and the family. Everything else revolves around that. What family? Well, them, together. Okay. They had a very, oh, and they had Sean at the time or whatever. Well, yeah. They, well, she right. was... She, fuck Julian. Yeah, fuck him. Hey, Jude, later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's John Lennon's Lost Weekend in L.A. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Anybody want to say some shit about that? Harry Nielsen, Nick. Is he, is he uh, featured a bunch on the Goodfellas soundtrack? Is that the same guy? Am I right? Midnight Cowboy. Really? Yes, he, uh, everybody's talking. Was, uh, uh, they chose oh, that that's a, him. They chose that after, uh, over Bob Dylan's Lay Lady Lay. For them. Mm. He, won, he, has two, he won two Grammys. One for that and one for some other song I don't remember. Hell yeah. I love Grammys. I love Grammys. I know. I know you love Grammys. Aaron, you got some debauched shit I to talk about. I have some fucked up shit to talk about. Do you guys... Okay, this is only, kind of, I guess, kind of related. Maybe it's related. But do you guys remember... Have any of you listened to the episode about Pablo Escobar, the cocaine bear? All right. This one has a little bit to do with that. Yeah. And I want you to picture something. I want you to picture yourself as an old man or a woman or non-binary whatever, but you're old. And you're in your house in Tennessee in the morning, and you walk out your driveway in your loafers or your Crocs or whatever. <laughs> it's 1985, so probably, like, you know, moccasins. Classic 85. <laughs> Classic 85. And you walk out, and you find the mangled body of a man wearing night vision goggles, a bulletproof vest, an undeployed parachute, <laughs> and a duffel bag filled with 80 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> Woo! And out. Gucci loafers. <laughs> if you're going out, yeah, go out in style. Um, the mangled body belonged to Andrew Thornton II, born in 1944 to a wealthy blue blood Kentucky family, big in the horse breeding business. Mm. They had a stud farm. Hey, hey so did my family. Let's <laughs> go. <It's cool. laughs> 70 miles away from this dude's body, forest rangers find a crash plane in the side of a mountain with another 80 pounds of cocaine strewn along in a daisy chain like Hansel and cocaine fucking Gretel in the forest. <laughs> anyway, so the body belongs to Andrew Thornton, and um, he was born in 1944 in Lexington, Kentucky. And like most rich kids, he was kind of a bitch. <laughs> he was kind of a... He was like a... You know, isn't it? He was a... Uh, yeah. So his parents enroll him when he's 14 in a military, like a private military academy. And that's where he meets his future best friend and business partner, Bradley Bryant, another fellow blue blood. Uh, grandfather was like a, a mayor somewhere in Kentucky, came from money as well. Uh, and when they graduate from there, they both join the military. Bryant joins the Marines, doesn't see any action. But Andrew Thornton joins um, the army and becomes a paratrooper. And he gets deployed in the Dominican Republic where he's like gets uh, the his jump wings 
and the National Defense Service Medal, Armed Forces Expeditionary Medal, and the Purple Heart while he's fucking people up in the DR. What was going on in the Dominican Republic? Dude, I don't know, like, baseball scouting? <laughs> I got there. Is there a whole unknown war I yeah, don't know dude, about? Of course yeah. there is. In the DR? Yes. You gotta jump out of a plane to fuck up people in the Dominican dude, Republic. Dude, no, can't just take a no try it out. Absolutely. I'm down. Uh, so then they, they, he comes back, and he, and he, uh, you know, he comes back from his mission or whatever, his right. missions. <laughs> In normal life, he like he goes back and starts working for the horse family, and like I guess like inseminating horses isn't that exciting. So he um, he's looking for some more excitement. So he starts parachuting like recreationally, gets his pilot's license, and it's still not enough for this guy. So he um, he joins the Lexington Police Department because he still wants that action, right? And this is like just as like the beginnings of the drug war are starting, yeah. right? So this is like the sixties, late sixties, and like the youths are a little too uppity. Right. So the, the feds and the and then the PDs start cracking down. And um he was like one of the first people to volunteer for their new narcotics unit. And uh while he's he's working the narcotics unit, he meets this guy Harry Vance, also from another like higher up Kentucky family. Uh, Vance wasn't like the smartest guy of the crew, but he was like pretty and could talk and was very charming. Mm. And um, and he joined the undercover narcotics unit. Oh, okay. so they're like posing as like hillbillies and like making coke or what? Like no, I think more like uh, playing the role of himself and buying lots of coke, ah. like that kind of guy. Like he's, fla- he's like dropping from planes and buying coke. No, no, this is Vance. <laughs> This is Vance. This is the other guy who's oh, okay. in the undercover. So Thornton is like beat narcotic cop, like Vice, right? So he just gets off on the thrill of like planting drugs on people and beating the shit out of them. <laughs> Jesus That's Christ. his deal, right? There's not a lot of oversight. This is the beginning of the drugs war. Nobody, they all just see what they see in movies and they reenact it. So like he's just, you know, going out there being a cowboy. Dude, in Kentucky, anything goes, dude. I've been to Lexington. That shit is wild. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, that fucking place is still in 1985. <laughs> I'm serious. At best. Dude, it is old school. Yeah. So they still have a Yeah, like it would be like some then... chicks are going to show up, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no shit, you guys got chicks here? <laughs> <laughs> I was, dude, it is a time warp. Seriously, if any place in America, Kentucky is back there. Let's go. Kinda. Try yeah. it out. Do they have AIDS yet? <laughs> Don't act like... No. <laughs> so anyways, Thornton starts, like, you know, really getting into this role of, like, the renegade cop guy, right? right. So he starts stealing drugs out of the evidence locker and starts selling it on the street. He doesn't need the money. His family's rich. But he's doing it for the juice. For the buzz. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> what kind of rush is there, like, knocking someone out and putting drugs on them? I mean... <laughs> what? What kind of... <laughs> well, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> what kind of... What kind of rush is there, like, knocking someone out and putting drugs on them? I mean, I mean it's I funny. It's like, a good rush, dude. Funny. I don't know. You ever do it? <laughs> no, that's the thing. Then I gotta probably, try that I mean, out. You probably do some cognac and a toot, too. <laughs> while you're uh... And then his buddy Vance, his Van- Vance is working now like at the sheriff's department. He gets a job at the sheriff's department, leaves undercover, starts working for the sheriff. He gets fired for 
forging his boss's signature on a gun order form. They or he was ordering like hundreds of firearms to sell on the black market. Jesus Christ! So he gets fired. Uh, and you think that that would be like the end of your, your law enforcement career, but because of his like extensive contacts in the Kentucky upper class, he gets a job in the state legislature. Wait, wait, wait doing what? Is he a senator? Not yet. Oh my God. Uh, so Thorne's friend from the military academy, Bryant, remember that guy? Like, you know, he didn't see any action in the Marines. Bryant, in the meantime, had like moved east, like east coast money area to try and like make connections. Mm-hmm. And um, he, had, uh, he had been making connections with like all these rich people. Ooh. And then he like went to Vegas and started like, you know, Brown nosing, hoity toitying, <laughs> cavorting, gallivanting. Hobnobbing. Yeah, yeah, hobnobbing. That's yeah. what it is. Hobgoblin. <laughs> so Brian's hobgoblin around <laughs> in Vegas, rubbing elbows with like high rollers, whales, and mobster guys. And so he gets into like people who have the means and the desire to import massive amounts of drugs from overseas, right? So they all hook back up together again. Mm-hmm. Brian. Vance, Thornton. The crew. The crew. Yeah. They hook up together, and in 75, they start a company Mm. called Executive Protection. And it's a private security firm that, quote unquote, supplies bodyguards Ah. for all of these rich Vegas types, right? All these high rollers guys. But really, it was just a front so that they could order vehicles, planes, and weapons for their new drug smuggling operation, right? Chop right? Incorporated. Boom. <laughs> they called their crew the company. Oh, yeah. I like Chop Incorporated myself. <laughs> Write that down. Uh, so like, it's doing so well that in 1977, Thornton resigns from the force to focus on his true passion, <laughs> jumping out of planes <laughs> with drugs. So wait, 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 hold the, hold the. He resigned. So he all the, for two years. He was doing it while he was a cop. Oh he was God! Smuggling drugs, and then he practiced law. I think that was also a front too. It's a little. The the details are a little uh, yeah. nebulous. What there. was that like uh, party like when he left? <laughs> like oh, he's he's leaving to better things. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he's driving a Lamborghini. Man, whoo! Poor guy retiring early. Man, those are nice Gucci loafers. <laughs> <laughs> Being a uh, cop sure is cool. Vance becomes administrative assistant to the governor of Kentucky. This is the guy that forged his boss's signature on a weapon requisition form. Becomes the administrative assistant to the governor of Kentucky. So he's Thornton's like eyes and ears in the government, right? And like they don't really hang out much so they can keep a low profile. Um, but still, like the city of Lexington starts buzzing with rumors of like there's some serious drug smuggling going on. There's corruption in the state legislature and the police department. Uh this woman, Melanie Flynn, 24-year-old mm. blonde. Irish. Disappears. <laughs> she disappears, and she's connected to this guy, Bill Kanan, who's a friend of Thornton and a member of the company. Mm. I think she saw too much. Uh-oh. She just disappears. Ooh. Um, so then Bryant... Bryant's hungry, right? Bryant, like... He, wa- he, he, wa- he likes that. He likes being the guy. He likes being the rich guy... The hobgoblin, knobbin, brown nosing guy, right? <laughs> so he like he's constantly he's like you know business development guy. And he brings in the Shagris brothers, and the Shagris brothers are like international fucking 
drug smugglers. They have connections in Colombia for the cocaine and the Middle East for heroin. They are like the guys. They wear fucking cowboy hats and shit like that. They're crazy. But um, but Thornton's like skeptical and all this. He's a little hesitant because they're under federal investigation by the Department of Justice. Oh. Wait, he's skeptical of the brothers with cowboy hats who do worldwide work. Yeah, he's like, I don't know if I want to like get all this these eyes and ears on us, right? And they're under federal investigation. Uh, but that like, you know, um, I don't know if they got better or worse, but somebody fucking fired an automatic rifle at the uh, prosecutor invo- uh, investigating those guys in Florida. Just unloaded a clip into his Buick. Oh. Uh, but he survived. <laughs> but he survived. A month later, one of the Shaggers brothers is murdered in his own office. Trouble. Uh, so <laughs> Bryant's trouble. like, we're going to keep doing this shit. Thornton's like, uh, I don't know about that. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Yeah. But they decide to try it out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Thornton flies the, the company's DC-4 into South American jungles and comes back with 10 tons of weed. Ten tons of weed. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. In a plane. In a plane. That got off the ground. And then got back on it safely. (laughs) Uh, Two million dollars worth of cargo. So they unloaded at their private... They have like their own fucking airfield in Kentucky. Bluegrass airfield. Yeah. They unload it there. Then he takes the plane, leaves it abandoned in the forest. The cops find it. They turn it over to the DEA. They do their investigation. Um... DEA abandons the investigation. What? So this starts leading to speculation, like, this Thornton got connected to the DEA. How well connected is he? Yeah. That was never really figured out. They're so restricted. Other than the next fact, which Uh-oh. the judge that was presiding over the Shagris brothers case, oh, fucking assassinated. Ooh. First federal judge in 100 years oh to be assassinated. God. Yep. Wait, wait, the... <laughs> Um, meanwhile, in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, straight up meanwhile, in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia. Hotel, uh, hotel maid smells weed coming from one of the rooms. Call nosy. Mind your fucking nosy. business. Yeah. I think I smell weed in there. Shut up. Cops come. Shut up. Cops come. Instead of finding some burnouts, they find twenty-five thousand dollars worth of cash, some weapons. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. They abandoned the plane, but they didn't get two rooms? I, I think... Dude, I don't know. I just fucking work here. Like, yeah. I think, they, I think they just, like, you know, left some shit around. I think they just forgot. Plus, hanging out is fun. Dude, it's fucking true, hanging out's the best. Uh, weapons, money, night vision goggles, and a, uh, like a, um, a manifest, like with mm. a list of names... And a lease. Big trouble. <laughs> Big trouble. So they go, the cops go over the lease names and they get, they find like the paperwork for a lease to a warehouse in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> okay. For those of you who've not been. In that warehouse, more like fucking tons of guns, money, drugs, more like tons of night vision goggles. Apparently, night vision goggles are this thing in 1980s. Late seventies, Kentucky, and these were all traced back to the China Lake Naval Facility in what California. Do you mean, what do you mean night vision goggles were a thing in Kentucky? <laughs> what do you well, mean? they found them on his dead body. They're well, in sure, but I mean, they're warehouse. a thing everywhere. You see in the dark. Oh, when was the last time you saw them besides Jurassic Park? <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was before. Was it? it was way before. I don't know. 
can see in the dark. It was set in the 80s. You know, uh, it was hot then. Dude, if, listen, if I had a pair of night vision goggles, I'd be wearing them. <laughs> I love that you're saying that coal mining Kentuckians are way into night vision goggles. <laughs> They're into weird shit, dude. <laughs> were, they wear camo to Walmart. Yeah, you're right, you're coal right. Coal no, you're right. Ever been into a coal mine? It's dark as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so where was I? All right. So then, so it, Bryant gets indicted, right? Bryant gets indicted for, like, smuggling shit out of a China Lake uh, naval facility, having all this weed, all these guns, all these goggles, mm. right? <laughs> Arrested. Not guilty. Totally not guilty. Found not guilty. People Hell yeah. Are, people Hell are, yeah. Are, Fuck all y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. People in Kentucky are like, what the fuck's going on? This sounds, this sounds horrible. But yep. fear not, good citizen. Six months later, he's arrested by the DEA trying to sell 800 pounds to undercover agents. No. <laughs> where's oh the, where's the other guy? Thornton? He gets indicted as well. <laughs> but he starts zipping around the, the country in his Cessna. He starts just, like, hopping from state to state. Now we're talking. But then he gets found out. He gets arrested wearing a bulletproof vest, night vision goggles. Uh, in North Carolina, he's carrying, like, a fully loaded, carrying a couple pistols. He gets arrested. He, get, he pleads no contest to a misdemeanor drug charge, and the felony charges are dropped. He only does six months in, uh, in prison and fined $500. Mm. Um, and he has his law license suspended. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so he did his time, and he and he gets out, and he he just like goes off the rails here. He's like wasting no time. He gets in a twin engine Cessna, flies to Columbia, and, and uh, flies back overnight with two hundred pounds of cocaine, thirty-seven million dollars street value, at that point in time. He find, he, he's being tracked by the feds. Yeah. And so they're like blasting his radio, like, "Listen, fucko." Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. In the plane? Yeah. We're They're like, we know you're there? Yeah. I think they have that technology then. Jesus Christ. So the... Turn around. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think they... Go back. I think they can... The, the feds aren't there. He's like, no, I'm going to jump out. <laughs> it's a twin engine Cessna. He can't go anywhere. Uh. <laughs> so we... Uh, Anyway, anyways, so he starts dumping loads of cocaine. Hell yeah. He's just dropping them out like the Hansel and Gretel-ish shit I was what mentioning. Do you mean everywhere or like in one spot? Well, he's moving in a plane, so... So he's making a trail. Right. Right. He, right, he's just unloading it only, straps the 80-pound duffel onto his back yeah. and jumps out of the plane. It makes you fall so much faster. <laughs> Is it because it's coke? <laughs> It's a hyper descent. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, his body's found in then fucking Fred Meyer's driveway with 80 pounds of cocaine valued at $15 million, $4,500 in cash, knives, two pistols, Gucci loafers, and night vision goggles, and a bulletproof vest. Three months later, a dead black bear is found in the Chattahoochee <laughs> National Forest that had overdosed on 40 kilos of pure Colombian booger sugar. Yes. According to the animal coroner, its stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. <laughs> there isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. 
cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hyperthermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it, that bear had it. All of it. Pablo Escobar is stuffed and in a museum in Kentucky for your viewing pleasure. Yes. Thus concludes the story of Pablo Escobar and Andrew Thornton II. Um, I got a can, story. Can we get a, a piss here, yeah, please? Can we, get, can we get a couple of... Can we get a piss round? Pisses? Please. Thank you. I don't know why they... I mean... I... Does anybody have any questions about the Pablo Escobar, <laughs> the bear that died of everything? <laughs> he died of partying, I think. The, the, bear, the bear did die of partying. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're exactly right. Uh, it was... Uh, like uh, Stephen Parks, uh, one of the, the big-time profile fans, went to see Pablo Escobar in Kentucky... And bought us a bunch of shirts that he's going to bring to us in May. Very, very exciting. Very, very, very nice. I love shirts, and I love cocaine. I love, yeah, I love coked up bears. I love the idea. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love the idea that this bear was just like, more. <laughs> I'll have more. Until I'm exploding. <laughs> Could you, Matt? I mean. He's just eating handfuls of it. Though. Yeah. He just thought, like, I'm a bear. Bear claws. <laughs> bear claws. I can take a lot of coke. I'm a bear. <laughs> I got to tell you guys a story. <laughs> Could you imagine being, I mean, if he survived, what he would tell the other bears? Like, they're all going back there every you year. You think honey's the shit? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm trying uh, to put it on your tab to be mean, but, but you don't have Matt's one. I'm a cash business. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um, I uh, fell in love with this story recently about this guy that was selling all this bogus nut. Huh? <laughs> bogus nut? John, that was, please. That was your high school yearbook quote, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> bogus bogus nut. He's all, he, was, he was selling bogus nut for 14 years. <laughs> And he got like 10 lawsuits because people found out who he was because like he wasn't who he was on paper. (laughs) They tested his nut? No, no, dude. Dude. This guy is 39. His name is Chris Agalis in Athens, Georgia. He just surrendered himself to the authorities because he has been sued a lot by a lot of people that got a lot of kids that thought they were getting some deluxe nut. (laughs) Deluxe. This guy, he was... They got some low-rate counterfeit spunk. Dude, this spunk, you you would pass it. You would... (laughs) Some punk-ass spunk. spunk. (laughs) You wouldn't take this spunk off the street. (laughs) He fathered 36 kids. And, and he's a total psychopath. <laughs> and they thought he was a genius. In a way, wasn't he? Yes! He was a sperm donor for the Zytex Corporation from 2000 to 2014. Zytex told their customers he was healthy. 160 IQ. That's Stephen Hawking and fucking Einstein. He's not. (laughs) He's 
He's, he's the father of 19 boys and 17 girls. And he's, he said he speaks five languages. And he's working on a PhD in neuroscience engineering. But he's a college dropout, a janitor, a waiter, schizophrenic, <laughs> bipolar, narcissistic personality disorder, delusions of grandeur. So he's the president. So he's yeah, the... Yeah. He's got a future. He's... he's He's telling everybody all this shit about himself. He's got DUIs. He's, he's a, a, an ex-con. <laughs> From burglary, disorderly conduct. Total maniac. Total psychopath. Zytex, the corporation that was selling his nut, inadvertently revealed his email to the families... No, that was a. That was a. Do you have the email address? <laughs> no. But some people are saying that Zytex was encouraging false profiling, like being like, "Tell him you're a genius." <laughs> but they said that when he donated the nut, they didn't take as much as a driver's license. They did no background on this dude, and there's this piece in the Atlantic. Where it's a mother like hugging this kid, <laughs> his kid. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I can't believe my kid might be nuts. <laughs> but you bought the nut. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. In my opinion, <laughs> did call you keep, me crazy. Did she keep the receipt? You can't mail order a nut and be like, yeah, this, I'm getting this genius nut. What are you, hacking parenting? Get the fuck out of here, man. Life hack. Fuck a dude. Yeah. Oh, my kid's a genius. I bought dope nut. Where'd you get it? The back of Cosmo. <laughs> Zytech. The best nut. So I get... I guess, uh, like... Some some mother of one of these kids started messaging other mothers of his nut <laughs> and being like, yo, do you know who this motherfucker is? Because they showed us the email and then they looked him up and he's total psychopath. <laughs> so then everybody started suing him. All the kids now are like toddler age to 12 years old. And? <laughs> and yikes. They're all selling their nut. But he would, he, but, but. <laughs> the kids? Yeah, it's like an Amway pyramid scheme of nut. You, you sell your nut, they, those kids sell their nut, and they tell three friends. They were, they were born to do it. You nut it forward. But like they have audio recordings of the other people, at the people at the Zytex company that were saying, like, this dude's legit. They're like, this dude is awesome. And he was just faking it. Because he had like delusions of grandeur and shit, you know what I mean? Which is very, like, talking is so fucking convincing. You know, like, you can just... You can get away with so much shit by talking. Yeah. You're like, no, dude, I speak five languages, homie. I'm working on this PhD. You don't even know, man. Like, fucking for real, my nut is dope. You know? <laughs> but meanwhile, you're an ex-con schizophrenic. 
But he has delusions of grandeur, right? Which is one of the funniest mental illnesses ever. Yes. My homie back home, he was like, his, his mom started dating this dude, and uh, she had a kid that like, lived at home, and he was like in pajamas all the time, you know? And he had delusions of grandeur, and he would come down to dinner, and he'd be like, yeah, so I'm thinking about selling this property I got on the moon. <laughs> and like, and like, his dad was like too nice about the, the delusions. He was like, son, I don't think you have any property on the moon. And he was like, fuck you, you know I do. You get all worked up about it and crazy. So this guy, <laughs> this guy started, he started, he just like, he started getting sued like crazy. And just recently, he gave himself up to the authorities being like, yeah, I committed fraudulent nutting or whatever. But like, is, but is he even really at fault? Like, isn't the company at fault? Like, this, this company would also... The nut broker. They would advertise to college students and say, get ready to go from ramen to steak. Like, come and sell us your dope-ass nut. <laughs> but like, I mean... Guys, tell me what you think. Don't you think boutique nut shopping is kind of whack as fuck? Don't you think, like, I mean, if you couldn't have a kid, you would be like, well, at least I know Gary. Like, that's something. Like, what are you trying to do? Just get a genius kid out of... Yes. No. <laughs> that's what people do. No, you can't. I don't think you can. I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's good. No, they turn away people. They turn away men who are under 5'6 and have red hair. Yeah, and they let this guy in. Well, those guys should lie. <laughs> this, guy, this guy, he made 16 grand mm, yeah. from Zytex selling his nut. How many loads? <laughs> I don't know. What's the per load? What's the... Dude, I don't know. Dude. I don't know. But like... Do you want to find out? Holy fucking shit. This is... I mean, like, get a friend to donate, right? Yeah. How so, Well, yeah, this, oh, yeah. Well, is, is a guy working on a PhD really going to be like, can I get 15 bucks for the nut? <laughs> yes. Really? I think this is the time for me to admit that I was a sperm donor at UCLA. <laughs> yeah, dude, so was I. I didn't even go there. <laughs> I didn't go there either. I found it on Craigslist. <laughs> That's so gross. I might have seven, <laughs> I might have 75 children in the next few years. Right. Well, protect wow. your email. Yeah. Because they yeah. Might be, it goes out. It might be catching Ch up with you. Change it, yeah. Like, I mean, there's no real cost for this company. You know, probably like the liquid nitrogen or something. Well, nut is cheap, right? <laughs> Nuts free, it's but so uh, free. to keep it it's cold, so you got to keep that stuff cold. But you know? this, this <laughs> nut was true. going to, it's from Athens, Georgia, right? Oh. It's going to San Francisco, it's going to Canada. Wait, they're they're international, international nut nutting. company. <laughs> they should be called the Internet. <laughs> like, in her national. Uh, oh, gay men can have children too. <laughs> what are you? They you, can have surrogate you, children. Yes, yeah, but yes, but it's got to go in her. Oh, you're right. You're right. You, you win this round. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know what's going on in this roulette wheel of piss, but I'm just trying it out. You yeah, know what you, I mean? You, it's good. all of Arden piss. I, I, like, this, so this case is still going on. I don't know if like, he's going to get prosecuted. I think the Zytex Corporation is going to get sued like crazy because 
a bunch of these kids might be super crazy. There's 36 of them. Jesus. But also, don't get nut through the mail. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah. I'm taking a stand. Yeah. Come get it right here. Get a... F- I mean, like, dude, I mean, like... Look around you. There's nut. Listen, if my nut is super bogus and I want to have a kid, obviously I'll look to Matt. Thank you. Right? It works. But, like, I know you. I don't want to be like, like, let me buy this genius nut. And don't use a middleman. They're just, they, they just jack up the price. They don't give, yeah, they, they don't give a shit. Get it straight from the horse's cock. Yes. Because an actual genius is going to charge so much more than 16 grand, presumably. You hope so. So you can't... would not be jerking off into a cup for money. Right. Well, well unless you know, you're a weirdo. We'll try it out. Spaz. <laughs> you know? Freak. But uh, yeah, so that's the deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow the trial of uh, yeah, please update Chris Agalus and uh, just don't buy nut through the mail, folks. Buy local. Yes. <laughs> buy local nut. Yeah. Try but, it out. Try it out. Try, try it, it out. out. John, that was a great story. I love I stories about nut. I, I know. love stories about drugs. Oh, yeah. I love. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do for this show, and I was like, I just wanted to be able to come. It's very so unbranded. So I had to it's specifically go searching. <laughs> you have a Google alert stories. for cum? Yeah. Huh? Did somebody come? <laughs> yes. We love you, everybody. I'm John Fahey. I'm Matt Brousseau. And I am Aaron Thank Gita. you, folks. This Try was Profiles and Eccentricity. Live. Yes. Yeah, wow. We love you. Thank you.